Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Malby on the Spot, your weekly chance. Thanks to Anfield Index Pro to hear the wit and wisdom of your friend and mine, Mr. Jan Malby. So let's stop messing about and greet him once more. Good evening, Jan. Yes, good evening, Trevor. Good evening. I hope you're, I hope you're keeping well. I am. I am indeed. I'm, I'm, I'm in ridiculously good form because of what's going on with our football team. I, I, I don't want to jump the gun, but it just feels after our little conversation dominated by, you know, your take on how this is a team that just finds ways to win. All we've had is more evidence of that in the interim, which is very nice, very rewarding kind of a, a situation to be in. Um, we have some games to look back on. We have some games to look ahead to. But I want to start, if you don't mind, so that we definitely leave, we have time for them and we don't leave them to one side and not um, get around to them. I want to start with a couple of questions from people who have gotten in touch there on the uh Discord channel, people who are subscribers to the uh, channel and uh, supporters of the podcast, and they have a couple of questions for you. Now, they're quite long in terms of the setup, so you'll have to bear with each of them. And uh, in other words, very like myself, kind of long-winded, so you're used to it. Uh, So we'll start with the first one. Um, This is from Omar. And Omar says, what would be Jan's formula for the perfect midfield balance? Is it as simple as one destroyer, one creator, one controller? If Jan was at the helm of LFC, who would he bring in to create the perfect balance? And I'll just tack on, or do you think we have enough people there to actually achieve it as we are? So the perfect midfield balance, is there a formula to it, do you think? Uh, No, I don't necessarily think there is. Uh, because I think if you look at successful clubs or clubs who have a good midfield, uh, they have various setups. I am not necessarily a massive big fan of, as the uh, subscriber called it, a destroyer. Uh, I always think that to play at the highest level, it isn't enough if, 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 if that's all you bring is. And so I'm quite, and I'm looking, if you look at Liverpool's midfield at the moment, we obviously got Endo, who's, who's away, isn't it? But we've got McAllister, who's growing in that sixth role. Now, I could easily live 
with the lack of McAllister's defensive qualities, his lack of ability to get around the pits. If, and this is what we're doing at the moment, and it's shooting him. We're keeping together, aren't we? We're playing in tight areas. We're playing in tight areas where he can be quite aggressive because he doesn't have to cover big, wide areas. So I quite like that. Uh, but I also do understand that it was evident early on in the season we weren't getting away with it, were we? He was getting exposed. Uh, but I just think that the longer we work with this and the longer that the people around him are improving, and also think that, you know, having a two centre-halves or even the back four back to being, you know, strong, obviously has an impact on the midfield as well. So I don't think there is a is a perfect formula of how you want to put them together, uh, whether it's a, it's, it's a six and two eights or a six, eight and ten or whatever you want to call it. But I quite like, I quite like the way that we're heading. And what I like more about the way I'm in feeling is heading is that we're not relying on anyone in particular. Jobber's like doesn't have to play for us to play well. McAllister doesn't have to play for us to play well. Possibly, possibly, and there's been a little bit of an upturn in, in our play in the last couple of games. And possibly, Curtis Jones might not be the most important midfield player we've got, isn't it? Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of the summary of the midfield. I like that. And, you know, I'm not sure if you're keeping abreast of the, you know, latest mumblings and mutterings from the local journalists, but we had uh, David Lynch on a, on an Anfield Index podcast during the week talking to Dave Davis about how... The feeling is that the club have gone a bit cold on the concept of getting in a six. And my response to that was, well, we kind of nailed our colours to the mast last summer, didn't we? It was very clear that that's the profile of footballer that we wanted. And people can be forgiven for thinking, well, one in, one out in terms of Fabinho is obviously that type of player. Um, And then we go and we do sign a sort of... um, with all due respect to the lad at the time would appear to be a budget version of that in terms of endo um and it seems to be that the 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 appetite for that has has for that specific profile of footballer has declined or at least and again it's not to say that people like david lynch or others are um there's anything untoward going on, but you know, people used to say that some of the journalists were briefed in in terms of getting the club line. And we know that that is a a tried and trusted way of letting fans know, listen, this is not going to happen or this is going to happen. So it is interesting that, Jan, isn't it? That the club seems to be drifting that way. Do you think it's based on the fact that, you know, again, going back to your words about this team, finding a way to win, as you said there in your, in your summary, they are, an evolving team and we got to see a very good example of what McAllister could look like both as a tackling and passing midfielder who when he's surrounded by enough energy he could actually look the part there Yeah, I mean obviously McAllister is, is, is time to find his feet, isn't it? So, is it, is it is it Liverpool evolving in terms of I mean Six months ago, from, from Liverpool's point of view, or 12 months ago, from the point of view of football generally, people, people, had con- people convinced themselves over the period of time that what we must have now is a false nine. So the false nine is in. So because of that, every false nine increases 20, 25 million in, 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 in value. Then for a while, you've got to have wide strikers who guarantees goals. So all of a sudden, they're 50, 60, 70 million. And I think the last sort of thing has been this number six. You know, it was, it was, it was obviously because of Rodri at Manchester City. Uh, and all of a sudden, people are looking at Manchester City and going, what is it that sets them apart? It's a number six that is good defensively, always available, and is what we call press resistant. But if you want the top players of that, we saw that in the summer, Chelsea paid over 100 million, Arsenal paid over 100 million, isn't it? And I think that, Klopp has gone, okay, we have to solve that problem. We have to find a way of dealing with that. And I think we've done that. Uh, so maybe the time has come yet again 
for another position to be in, in, in being fashionable, isn't it? Uh, so, yeah, I think we're quite... I think probably looking at it all and going, okay, if, if I need a six of the quality that can improve us, unless we can find, unless we get lucky and we can find somebody really young, we need to be paying in excess of 60 million pounds, 60 million. Uh, and, whether, and then he's thinking, what, what about all the players we've got? What about the work we've done with Curtis Jones, who's now cemented before turned into who he is? And what about Harvey Elliott, who's also showing really good signs and uh, Stefan Bicet is, is going to return at some stages and they've got Shopify and Endo and got a lot of midfield players and at a good age haven't we so I think Klopp is saying if, if that money is available he, he, he might want to spend that elsewhere uh, I still think that I think Klopp is excited by his front five I still think that if he's totally honest he's probably looking at maybe one more striker that he can 100% trust. You know, at, at the moment, you, you trust Mo because his numbers are always good with stats and goals. Is it? Darwin Nunez, bang, 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 is what he is, isn't he? You know what I mean? Lewis Diaz is a little bit what he is. Gakpo is, Gakpo is, he's sort of in between, isn't he? And then you've got Schotter, who, when he plays, is, is fantastic, isn't he? But he's had a few injuries. So, so I think Klopp is maybe thinking that. If that money is available, I'm, I might want to spend that elsewhere uh, because I think he's quite happy with with the way it's working with with, with the midfield. And let's not forget people we'd almost written off. You know, Joe Joe Gomez is back in now, isn't he? You know, staying injury free, playing ever so well. You could see him without any trouble playing right back, left back, centre half, isn't he? So as much as we've had some injury problems, I think the injury problems have actually helped and enhanced the quality of our squad. So. Yeah, if I was if I was Liverpool, see, in the summer it was different, Trevor, because in the summer I'm going Lavia. Now I don't know what Lavia is going to be like, but or Caicedo who went to Chelsea or Declan Rice. Instantly, I'm telling you, some number sixes who I think will improve our team. You ask me the same question now. Now I'm all of a sudden thinking, you know, I could probably find some, isn't it? But it might be an even bigger risk. Than Lavia and Caicedo were, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit with the club. I'm starting to float away from that thinking that you can't be successful without having a really good defensive press resistant number six. It's interesting, isn't it? It's, it's, it's basically um, do you want your golf bag? to have every club in there, um, you know, so that we could, say, play a very, very defence-orientated... Uh, it's not... I don't like the word destroyer. I think it's it's an oversimplification of what someone like Fabinho did for us. Um, but you're talking about the kind of guy who get a foot in here and a foot in there and will read block passing lanes and intercept things and, and, and keep play going and ticking over and that type of thing and, and not necessarily have uh, the forethoughts on attack. One of those types. Now, you imagine, Jan, a world-class one of those types and we have the option to rotate Curtis Jones, Alexis McAllister, Dom Sabozlai, plus any of the other lads who you've mentioned who've put their hand up recently as the eights ahead of that. And that gets exciting too, doesn't it? As a kind of a, as a, a formula. Now, would it be successful? Would it be as successful as what's evolving currently? Well, that's the question, isn't it? It's just, it's tempting, isn't it? When you're um, not the club, you're not, you're not in charge of finances. You're not actually overseeing the squad. It is tempted to play manager and think, well, I would like to have this. I, I, I guess that's why people will continue to talk about it and maybe get their knickers in a bit of a twist if it doesn't happen. Yeah, but it's, it's what I said before, Trevor. I mean, people have convinced themselves that this is what you need. You know, you can sit down with, I would suggest, 75% of all Liverpool fans and go, tell me what does it take to have a successful team? What kind of centre-halves do you need? What kind of full-backs do you need? What kind of midfield players do you need? And they'll all have an idea. And all those ideas will be pretty much the same, won't they? I mean, two years ago, what did you need? You needed an attacking, overlapping full-backs. That's no longer the case now. You need totally different. Uh, you could even get away with playing centre-halves and full-backs because they step in, whatever, all them things, isn't it? So, yeah, Liverpool, no, football fans in general will carry on talking about the number six, and they'll probably carry on talking about the number six until the number six no longer is as fashionable as they are right now. 
uh, because pe- people still, as I said before, convince themselves because they look, they look at City. But I mean, it's a bit like, so we, is Rodri the best number six? I don't know, but he's certainly very good. We can't doubt that. Uh, but but I'm thinking, would, Pop, would Pep, see, I can't have Pep Next time he's got to rebuild that midfield. I can't have him going out and buying a number six. He'll do something else. He he will look to he'll look to be part of evolving football again. A bit like Klopp is with his in midfield at the moment, isn't it? So it isn't always. Oh, this is what we do. Yeah, this is what we do, and then everybody else follows suit. And when they start to catch up, then we do this. And I think that's what we've done. Maybe we've done it with a little bit of luck, isn't it? And maybe that's why, Trevor, we are not as convinced as we should be, because we look at this team and we go, yeah, but. Maybe we shouldn't be going yet, but you know, because the more I see this team, and I know it's only with these two games and in Bournemouth and Fulham, and you know, but I don't know, there's just there's just something, isn't it? There's something yeah. that they, they, you know, and, and still, and I said it last week on the podcast, Trevor, I can't get myself to jump both feet in first and go, this is it, isn't it? But I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, it's, it's going to take some shift in this team, that's for sure. I think that's ex- that's exactly it. That last what well, that last point is exactly it. It feels as if um, Klopp and these boys have sort of realised that it is there for them, um, and it's not a pipe dream. And that is sort of coming across, I think, in those performances. Just one last thing on this, and again, it's just very tangentially related to the question from Omar. It is interesting that. Um, there are stories linking Liverpool to players in this window, not necessarily for this window. In fact, definitely not for this window. I think, again, that's more of the noises coming out of the club. There'll be nothing happening. And in fact, it's very quiet across the board uh, compared to other um, winter windows. Um, And it's even, it's spectacularly quiet over on the Saudi front, which we touched on last week. Um, but what is interesting is the stories that you're hearing in terms of Liverpool being linked with, with players isn't, you know, let's go and get that um, holding midfielder from Atleti or let's go and get this uh, up-and-comer in the French League. No, it's young and up-and-coming defenders who are being linked with this kid, Yaro, who is as highly rated as any defender I've ever come across uh, uh, for a kid of his age. Um the reviews he's getting and the comments I'm reading about his performances are remarkable. And also Diamande as well. It's interesting that, isn't it? And I'm wondering, is that just directly kind of linked to people putting two and two together and getting Joel Matip transferring out of the club? Because, you know, um, when he comes back after this, will he get another year? Will he not get another year? Will he want another year? Will he want to cash in somewhere else, et cetera, et cetera? Um, but when you look at how Joe Gomez has put his hand up, like you mentioned, and uh, by the way, uh, what a relief for me that my galaxy brain idea of playing Joe Gomez at left back ahead of Costa Simicas back in the day has proved to not be completely mental because that lad is excelling wherever he goes. Uh, currently, he's doing super work in that left back berth to the extent that you wouldn't be at all worried if we had to finish the season out with him there. He's... He's cutting back in. He's carrying the ball into midfield. He's linking the play. He can, he can put a cross in. I, I, I'm delighted with him. But it is interesting, yeah. The, these links with young, up and coming, hugely highly rated defenders. Well, it is this thing, uh, Trevor, and you briefly mentioned on before with the transfer window being as quiet as as it is. I mean, obviously, one of the reasons is you know this profit and sustainability uh, financial fair play it's been around for a number of years but I think now the clubs have realised it's for real uh, so not many of them are prepared to play ball uh, but I also think that football clubs generally Trevor are better prepared uh, there is no more of these panic sort of buys in January uh, there will be no more of this last day of the, of the, the, the window where you're standing outside cheering grounds and waiting for clubs to get things through it's, it's, it's planned well in advance. And that's obviously what Liverpool are doing now. So if you look across Liverpool's back line, you know, and you go, yes, Trent is not a problem. And Conor Bradley now looks, you know, he looks like he's more than ready to be at least be an understudy, isn't it? But then you look at Van, Virgil van Dijk, we have no idea. Matip, you mentioned before, we have no idea how long he's gone for. And even Robbo, you know. So it does make sense to get 
more defenders into the club that you feel are good enough. Uh, it's 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 all. I mean, it, you know, Owen Beck uh, coming back from his loan in uh, in Scotland and, and, and getting a couple of minutes the other day and all them things, isn't it? But I just always get the impression that these aren't people that the club have put their reputation on the line for. You know, Liverpool very rarely loan players out for them to go out and show Liverpool what they can do. They loan them out so they can show everyone else what they can do so they can get a nice transfer fee, isn't it? So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I like the fact it's all, all this trouble is it's this. If me and you now were in charge of transfers at Liverpool, I'd knock on your door and I'd go, Trevor, how's our team going to look in two and a half years' time? You know, end of yeah. this season and then at the start of 2026, 2027, what's our team going to look like? And you go, I don't know. I said, well, we, we need to know. How? Of the players we got here now, who will still be here? And how do we? And that's what they're doing, isn't it, Trevor? So I, I kind of like that. You know, and then you give them a little bit of time because that's how club likes to work, isn't it? Yes, there's the odd ones who come straight into the team, bang, bang, bang. But a lot of them, you know, even McAllister to a certain extent, isn't it? You know what I mean? Club has had to work with him. Shop was like, came in and played his game. McAllister didn't. So we had to work with McAllister, you know. So, and that's how club likes to do it. And so if you can get him through the door, and I have to say that, you know, go through them. Harvey Elliott, I just never thought what I'm seeing now. Curtis Jones, I never thought what I'm seeing now. Connor Bradley, I've seen Connor Bradley play comes out of Northern Ireland, whatever I thought, yeah, okay. But 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 all these players all of a sudden are looking Kwanzaa, the young centre half, isn't it, Trevor, you know, our mate Billy. Uh it's uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's all good fun, isn't it? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I heard someone point there during the week, and I thought it was, I thought it was wise, uh, that it's very easy to harshly judge the likes of um, our Northern Irish kid at right back or either of the two lads who've stepped in at left back or Kay Gordon or any of those when they're coming into a, a cup team in the early part of the season, which is very much full of uh, similar type players. But when you get, um, you know, it's, it's hard to get a feel for whether they're going to be any good because they're surrounded by lads who are not. But when you get a lad um, like Conor Bradley who can step in like he did last week into our nominal first team, and granted it's one where there are a lot of lads absent, but still and all he gets to step in and be surrounded by uh, very, very good footballers. And to see him thrive like he did, Jan, it's really heartening, isn't it? And it's, it's, it's almost, it, it feels unfair to judge a kid on anything other than that, anything other than an opportunity to play not in the midfield, which is um, populated by other kids, but, you know, and not in a defensive unit, which is populated by other kids, but in its solid team. So he can play up to the level of his ability. And wow, he has really put his hand up and taken that opportunity, hasn't he? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, everyone. This month, the channel is supporting a local charity based in Edinburgh called Steps to Hope. 
Steps of Hope helps support people who are experiencing homelessness and addiction. The founder of the charity, Richard Roncero, is currently doing a Sleep Rough campaign where he is sleeping rough on the streets in eight different cities for eight weeks. Please like, share and follow the Facebook page and if you can, donate. Thank you. I've always hated those games. You know when people go, this is a real opportunity and you turn up at Anfield for the third round, you can't about come and you've got 10 kids out. Yeah. And people go, this is their chance. And I go, this is not their chance. All this is for them is a glorified friendly, a glorified reserve game playing, playing at Anfield with crowd. That's all it is. You know, because you're playing with the same players and you don't get that. How do you respond to playing? So Conor Bradley, what he experienced last week against Bournemouth is a proper game. And it? it's, a, it's, a, it's a proper Premier League game playing with Premier League players, isn't it? You know what I mean? So uh, I've never been a fan of those, you know, let the kids play. Let's see what they can do. That's the easiest way of getting down on those kids is when they all play together and they get a chance. That's not the way to do it. But it is, imp- it is impressive to Trevor, isn't it, the way that, you know, the improvement of, of like four or five players who at the start of the season, I, I would have said, nah, 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 not good enough, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's just it's it's it feels so exciting to see, like you said, Curtis Jones finally have that status in the team and reliability that we can actually, uh, you know, count on, and um, to have this lovely solid backup now to Trent. Uh, you know, because an awful lot of people would have written off our chances of, of being able to do anything, even against the Bournemouth, um, w- without Trent or Mo, um, and it, it, it's just. It's just really heartening, you know. You got, you got lads doing the business up top. You got lads doing the business at the back, as you said, young Billy Quanza. What a fella he is! I'm so so impressed with him. Do you know what's really interesting about Quanzian is? You see him interviewed. He's not a big smiley fella. And earlier on, he he, he kind of rubbed people the wrong way when he was made that little throwaway comment about Joel Matip and, you know, how it was, he was looking to get his place in the team anyway. And people didn't like the frankness of that, whereas I think you and I loved it. Um, he's I'm not saying he's humorless or whatever, but he's very serious about his job, which, you know, I love to see. I, I really like to see that. He's not just you know, mugging for the camera. He's just, he, that lad is focused. Um, it's, it, that's, that, I think it's, it's a, it's an underrated uh, thing to see in players. He just has that seriousness about going about his job in a very professional way. He was delighted. He mentioned, listen, it's really nice for me to be able to do this alongside Connor. We've played together for a long time. And those two lads are absolutely lapping it up and taking their opportunity in a, in a way that's very encouraging. Yeah, I mean, Kwanzaa is, is, is not overawed, uh, but he's also not surprised. And I always I always put a lot of emphasis on that. I'm not a big fan of, you know, teams when they do something, they go, I can't quite believe what we just done. You know, it, it, I think if, if if you believe you can do something, there's no need to say, I can't believe it, you know. And, and Kwanzaa never does that, does he? He doesn't look like somebody who's playing and going, I can't believe this. I think he's probably sat and watched the first team for a, a little while and gone, I can do that. I know I can do that. You know, and, and, and I think that's that's not being big-headed. That's just having belief, isn't it? And I believe that's one of the, the greatest attributes you can have as a footballer is that, you, do you want me to play? Yeah, I can do that, yeah. You know, whereas you get other people who get a bit overawed and they get giddy, don't they? You know, and they get a, and they get a chance and they do all silly interviews before the game and, oh, I can't quite believe it. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm so glad my mum and dad are going to be, whatever. Whereas I think Quancy just goes, yeah, put me in the team, I'll go and play. Because he's, he's, he's somebody who likes the responsibility. He looks like he wants to take responsibilities and he wants to get on the ball. He wants to play out from the back for a big boy. Technically, very good, quick feet, isn't it? So we said it a few other weeks, Trevor. You know, I, I think he's sensational. I really like him. A lot of people, um, when your generation of players started coming into the Premier League and in through, especially the sort of mid-90s to late-90s when there was a real influx, um, Chelsea kind of leading the way. There was this sort of cocked eyebrow amongst the, the British media. If a fella said, yes, I played well, or I think I, I I did very well there in the second half or whatever, people were just frank about their performance in a way that wasn't falsely humble. 
I hate that false humility. I think it's a lot of shite. Uh, it's just nonsense. Uh, and, and it's a thing that, that, that it was absolutely assumed. It, was, uh, it wasn't cricket to talk about oneself in a positive fashion, you see, back in the day. And it was a real breath of fresh air to see these lads coming in from uh, all sorts of um, countries that weren't British and speak in that way that wasn't in any way arrogant. It was just simply matter of fact. And I think that's the kind of thing, that's the zone where it's finally come into the English game now where lads like Kwanzaa can do that and not be absolutely pilloried. Although, like I said, he did get a little bit of it. I have to say, right, before I get on to the next question, I came across a thing there during the week from an absolutely brilliant Twitter account run by a lad called Davola. And he gets his hands on some of the most incredible video footage. I, I don't know where this lad is sourcing his stuff. It's not just match clips. He's got other stuff as well. And you, my friend, featured heavily this week in a fantastic clip that I just have to talk to you about. So it's... It looks like it's an early, it, uh, it's obviously ITV or BBC, because that's basically all we had, right, in, 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 in that era. Um, it's one of the two. And they're running this piece. And I'm not sure if you've seen it since you did it, or if you've seen it recently, or if you actually saw it, or if anyone pointed it out to you this week. But basically, it is a local school teacher, and he's getting his kids all riled up because... Uh, he's getting him doing a bit of chanting and all that. But before that, he tells him the, the, the sorry tale of a young professional footballer called Jan Mulby who's just moved into the area uh, and who has been plagued by lads knocking on his door early in the morning looking for tickets or autographs or whatever it happens to be. <laughs> And uh, he's telling them, you know, this is not this is not the way we do things around here. We got to give poor Jan his quiet time and let him have a rest in the morning. He's a professional footballer. He's he's got to get his sleep, and you know, uh, maybe then we could just um, we could, the things would be better. And he says, we've got a surprise for you. And he gets them chanting Liverpool and Everton, and then you walk out. Do you recall this? Uh, I, I do. I. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think I've ever seen the piece, and I don't think. I don't think I can remember going into the school. Really, but I do remember the story. You know, of the kids knocking on the door on the way into school. You know, uh, and I don't know how we would have. I mean, I literally lived over the road from the school. So I don't know how we would have got from my house to the school because I certainly wouldn't have gone and knocked on, on the door at the headmaster. That's not that's not my style. Uh, but maybe, see, I can't remember going to the school. Uh, I, I imagine it because it was so, you know, it was it was so, um, oh, I don't know, just friendly and, 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 and it, was, it was all very, it was all very nice the way it was done. Uh, I imagine it's just probably a neighbour sitch. You know, those kids are pestering, yeah. the shit, pestering the shit out of Jan. It probably got in because obviously they requested you to come over and you said your few words to them at the end. And uh, it was just really, it, it was just a cool little thing, I thought. I, I, I want to ask you as well, have you, is that basically when you put down roots? Is that pretty much where you stayed, or have you moved along since? No, no, I've moved. I've moved a couple of times. That was my sort of bachelor house, uh, and and I moved in. And when I bought the house, we're in now, twenty odd years ago with my wife and whatever. You know, you, you, there's all sorts of considerations, and she's talking about schools and whatever. When I, when I bought my bachelor house, <laughs> I just wanted a house that was fit for a bachelor, Trevor. You know, I wanted a house that. <laughs> where they converted the garage into a games room and they had a swimming pool in the back, you know what I mean? And that's what I got. And then, you know, a week or two after I'd moved in, I realised there was a school with 400 kids getting dropped off and picked up, you know, twice a day, isn't it? But it was just one of them things. So I, I lived there for a while. I mean, so I've never had anything against... We, we do what we do and we reach some fame isn't it and with that comes something isn't it? so i never had a problem with that uh you know but, we, but we, you, you you go out of your way in the piece to say lads all right uh, kids listen you know you you call anytime you want in the afternoon or the evening there's no hassle you know assign whatever you want we'll do photos whatever you want to do and it was really obvious from from your attitude even then and you know a lot of people at the younger end of their career 
they don't have that attitude. They're like these little fucking annoying tow rags. I wish they'd just bugger off. There's that you could be, you could have easily been forgiven because that was the attitude an awful lot of people in your position would have had, but it was patently obvious you didn't. And I've seen that stuff, yeah. And I've like I've seen, I know people I know who uh know that I work with you and they've bumped into you and they've just gone up and they've gotten a photo and never anything other than, you know, an absolute gent to deal with. So it is, I, listen, people do appreciate that because it, it's not as common as you might think, that attitude, Jan. Yeah, as I said, I, I, I don't really know. I just know that uh, my aim is never to disappoint. You know, my uh, my aim is, is to try and please as much as we can. Is that, but maybe there is a line that some people can cross, Trevor. And when they interfere with sleep, you know, we've spoken about sleep before, haven't we, Trevor? Sleep is important, isn't it? So, uh, you know, if you're going to knock, knock in the afternoon. I think that's a, a golden rule right there. Back to our qu- uh, questions from our subscribers. This one now uh, goes off into a flight of fancy in the second half, which I will spare you from, but it's from da- uh, Daz. And I like the first half because it just comes down to a little bit of, I know you have experience here with the man, so I'd just be interested to see what you do. So he puts this sort of scenario to you. So you and Jürgen are the last men standing at a Liverpool function, right? Everyone's had a bit too many. And Jürgen starts really shooting the shit with you now, asking you for your appraisal of the season, how it's gone. And, uh, you know, seeing that you could see things from the outside, you know, um, what's going right, what's going wrong. So the question is, would you go down the Roy Keane nuclear route, in other words, be incredibly frank and honest, or would you take a more safe Jermaine Genes approach? Having had experience with the man, would you feel like you had to couch it, basically, I think is what Daz is asking? Or do you think you're the kind of lad who could take both barrels if you're both several beers in? Uh, I think I think Rob understands that, you know, criticism is, is part of what he does. Uh, whether he would take it from somebody as much an outsider as I am in, in, in terms of other people that are a lot closer to him, I, I, I don't know. I mean... I had the privilege uh, during during lockdown COVID uh, of being one of very few uh, reporters allowed inside Anfield. And, and obviously because we couldn't send anyone from Denmark, I used to do the interviews after the game. Uh, and because I was more or less the only ones who was there, apart from the host broadcasters, I always got Klopp. Uh, but I always had the, uh, the press officer coming out 10, 15 seconds before and going, Jan, you're getting Jürgen, he's on his way easy or if they didn't say anything you would kind of know uh, what, what kind of mood he'd be in you know and I, I, I think that in in those days what probably affected his mood more than anything was the lockdown the whole situation wasn't it no crowd and no, no yeah. excitement whatever it is, you know what I mean but a couple of times uh, he would go go easy you know and that's obviously because I don't know if you remember he had a couple of run-ins with uh, the guy from BT Sport, isn't it? The reporter. That's right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Des Kelly, wasn't it? Des Kelly. Yes. 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 And then I would be on the back of Des, you know, and I might have had sort of similar questions I wanted to ask, you know, and the press officer would just go, go easy, and then you go, okay. So you just do your three questions, basically, you know, you happy with the game, blah blah blah, whatever, isn't it? You know what I mean? And, and I also think that it is not our job. Uh, Danish TV, it's more the host broadcasters, isn't it? It's their job to ask difficult questions, isn't it? So, but I don't know. I just, but also, Trevor, if, if me and Jurgen were having a beer, uh, and, I, and I guess we were drinking Erdinger, uh, <laughs> because Jurgen you, you, would be able to get them for nothing, uh, I don't think I could help myself. You know, there would be things I would have to ask, you know. Uh, and obviously certain things about this season and what his thinking was and, you know, what was he thinking when McAllister came and it didn't quite work out and what's his thought about David Nunez and, you know, that information about David Nunez that we will never get. You know, Jurgen Klopp will never tell us how he's felt, you know, in the last 18 months when David is... It's all them things, isn't it? But also there's some interesting bits back in the... In the, in the day, isn't it? Whether that's Philip Coutinho or, you know, Sadio Mane, what happened there, isn't it? Even somebody like Mamadou Sacco, you know, I'd like to know what, what actually happened there in the end. These are all the interesting things that 
I guess we'll have to wait for the book. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. If you had an opportunity and the beer was flowing, I think the first question I'd be was, okay, tell me about Buvach. What was the crack there? Oh, <laughs> wait, by the way, I forgot yeah. about that, Trevor, didn't I? <laughs> Yeah, everyone wants to know. You know, it, 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 I think that's human nature. Yeah, and look, yeah, what, what's the worst thing he could? It, the worst, worst, worst case scenario, he says, ah, "I'm not going to talk about that." That's fine, you know. Yeah, exactly. We have, we have one more, and this is again a sort of a hypothetical situation. And again, we have to allow for the fact that there's differences in the time and all that. But we've had a, a similar-ish question in the past. This is from Umbilical Boy. He says. I was watching the Carling Cup um, game against Fulham last night and it made me suddenly think, I wonder what could this team do against the team that Jan played in? So if you take our full strength team today, exactly as they are now, modern diet, fitness, tactical awareness, uh, tactical discipline, all those kind of things, and you set them up against the uh, team of your choice that you played in um, in your uh, Anfield uh, years, and we bring them forward and we set the two teams up against each other. Um, so let's say it's a two-legged affair, he says, because that might make it a little bit different. We often talk on, on, on our various podcasts about how it's a totally different affair over two legs. Uh, what do you think will happen? And let's allow a kind of equaling, balancing off in terms of whatever, that maybe there were different sort I think this is overplayed, Jan. I think you'll agree with me here. I think it's overplayed to talk about modern fitness. I don't know what they thought, what they think people were doing uh, in the 70s and 80s, but I mean, I think it's overplayed, this modern fitness crack. But anyway, allowing for equaling. Um, of all of those kind of things and just leaving the playing ability uh, how do you think the current iteration of Liverpool would get get on against let's say that double winning team that you were a part of or that really good um, top top of the top of the table team that won the league in 88 what, what do you reckon would, would they stand a chance would you guys romp it is it impossible to judge would our lot current lot win what do you reckon I, I, I most definitely think it's impossible to judge. Uh, but I always have this feeling, Trevor, uh, and, 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 and that's what people people say to me, you couldn't play today. And I go, what? I'm not so sure about that. Uh, because instant the things that, that I would look at would be, you know, fitness and whatever. They would be the things that I look at and go, well, okay. Because I would trust myself as a footballer and when I look, when I think back to my teammates and I try and compare, I think we had better footballers. Yeah. You know, I think... I, think I do we, too. Yeah, I think we had better footballers. Whether that made... See, see what they are today, they are better coached and the setup in games for almost every eventuality is much better than anything I've ever experienced as a player. You have to find your your own way. You know, we had very, very few. I mean, I was an answer for 12 years, Trevor. I don't think we ever had one corner kick routine. You know, today, I don't know, they'll have 25. They've got 35 different throw-ins, so, so whatever. So I think all that masks it a little bit. You know, I think we did a lot more off the cuff. You know, and I'm just sitting here looking at it. I have a post in front of me, Trevor, and it's a Legends of Anfield. And right in the middle of it, John Barnes, Ian Russ, and Peter Beardsley. Uh, and just on top of them is Kenny Dalvis and Keegan. And I look and I think, you know, they were visibly great footballers to look at, but they were also cute footballers when they were really intelligent footballers, you know. Uh, and I think even the best. So when I look at John Barnes, instantly I think Mo Salah. Mo Salah stats are on a different planet to John Barnes. But I think John Barnes is a better footballer, you know. He's a better footballer than Mohamed Salah. You know what I mean? I look at Ian Russ and I think, you know, as much as we talk about our front five or the front thing we had before and whatever it is, but does any of them really get anywhere near Russia? You know, and even Peter Beardsley as a, as a Roman sort of, you know, false number nine, you know, Sir Kenny Keegan. So, I think we had better footballers. Uh, but they would give us a hell of a game because what they do, Trevor, is they'd obviously find and try and expose our weaknesses, isn't it? You know? uh, so I think it'd be a hell of a game. It'd go to penalties. Uh, um, I, I would take all our penalties. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> 
<laughs> this answers the last part of the question. That's the end of that. <laughs> well, it actually answers the last part of the question, which is: Would you, would you, would you put any of your own money on the result? And if you're taking the penalties, you're backing yourself. I know that for sure. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm delighted you went there because I do think there's an awful lot of bollocks talked about um, uh, fit, fitness and all the rest of it, and, and the idea that um, you know the players of your generation couldn't adapt to the modern systems game is absolutely nonsense, you know, um, or whatever extra level of fitness required. It's just, it's just an extra. It's it's just an extra little bit of discipline that, that you know, everyone can do the discipline part. It's the talent thing that really is the the clincher. And I just feel if everything was equalised, I just think the players from that era are just like you say, just demonstrably better. Look, we have a limited amount of time left, and obviously we've since we spoke last. We had a lovely, convincing win in the league. One of the more enjoyable um, um, games to watch. Um, the first half might have been a little bit tight for people's liking, but, you know, to run out 4-0 winners um, in that situation with a team that's um, one of the one of the, the, the other form team in the league, uh, I think that's fantastic. To do it away from home, I think that's fantastic. Um it says an awful lot about this comparatively diminished squad uh, to go and do that. And then to dig out the result they dug out last night, um, the goal which effectively sort of killed the spirits of Fulham for a long time. They got a goal to get back into it. You know, you could say that perhaps if we had our normal man between the, the, the sticks, that probably doesn't get conceded. He can say a lot of things. Um but at the end of the day, the lads that did go out there, again, dug out another win, found, as you said last week, another way to win a football match. And I don't know what you thought, Jan, but I thought there was a level of just happiness all over the face of Jürgen. It means it meant a lot to him to get to this final with so many of those fringe lads featuring so heavily. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bob Paisley, who was never my manager, uh, Trevor, once said, somebody once said to Bob Paisley, your team played well today. He said, aye, once we got 3-0 in front, we played well. And that was a bit like that on Sunday, wasn't it? You know, once we got ourselves in front and put a distance between us and Bournemouth, and we played well. But that was impressive, actually. I don't care what anyone says. You know, most teams have found it really difficult last few months to play against Bournemouth. So I thought that was yet another one of those where you go, yeah, do you know what? Performances like that, you won't go far wrong with them. And then Fulham, so they, 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 I mean, let's look at it. Fulham again beat 2-1 from the first leg. They have to come at us. What do we do? We grab the game straight away. We take it away. We go, no, 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 no. This is our game, innit? We control the game. We score the goal. Something has to happen late in the first half. We come back in half-time. Does his little bit in it. If instantly we get a goal, a little bit of a fluke. But I spoke to somebody today who went, nah, it was a bit of I never felt we were under any threat whatsoever. Last 10, 15 minutes, I just never sat there and thought, here we go, Fulham are going to score. 
So, uh, well, I think it matters, Trevor, because club is now starting again, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. It's not. It's not the quadruple, but it's still a quadruple, isn't it? So he's thinking, well, if I want to win all four in a season, I have to be in the final of the first one we play. Uh, which is the Carabao Cup business. So I think he's excited that, who knows? I think he's thinking, got a chance of Europa League, you know. And in the FA Cup, we know, you know, sometimes you need a bit of luck with the draw and whatever, isn't it? And I think he, I think he knows it's on in the Premier League. You know, so he's thinking, we, we, we didn't quite get it done, but fuck me, this could be the year, you know. That's what it feels like. And I think you can see it on his face. And I think there's that feeling amongst the... The squad too, but to focus for the last part of the show for the last few minutes on what is to come. There is an FA Cup match that you just uh, flagged up there against Norwich in uh, three days' time, effectively Sunday at half two um, at Anfield. Uh, you talked about the look um, required, and you know, obviously, you get egg on your face if you if you don't come through these type of ties, but to get a home draw against someone that's not, you know, in the very, very top tier is, you know, we'll take that as Liverpool because we, we haven't had great cup draws um, in recent times. And to even see two of the comparative um, big hitters drawn against each other again, that is looking like it's a good thing for further progress for our men. So I want you to touch briefly on what you think he's going to do in terms of the Emirates uh, FA Cup match um, at Anfield against Norwich on Sunday. But we'll focus most of our attention, I think, on the game against Chelsea on Wednesday night because it has the feel of one of those big nights. Um, It really does. It's going to be Anfield under lights and you know the way the thing is set up Liverpool are going to be going into a top of the league and hopefully hanging on to that position by the end of it. Um, there's a lot at stake, in other words. It will feel as if there's a lot at stake. Uh, we know we're playing Chelsea in the final of the tournament that we got to last night. This will feel, for some people, like a warm-up. I don't think it'll have anything to do with it in that regard at all. But people have mentioned, you know, the games against Chelsea have been a little bit... Uh, drab and then they go to extra time and they go to penalties and that type of thing I don't f- have a feeling uh, of that kind of game coming at us on Wednesday night, I think there's something about the urgency of the way the season's going I don't see it going that way just to focus a little bit and this is with due, due respect to Norwich It's not. I, I, I think we'll both agree that we should you know, depending if we play a strong team, we should beat Norwich. If he goes with all the all the children and the tea ladies, then we, it's 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 up in the air, and who knows? I have no idea how he's going to approach that. I don't think anyone really does, so it's hard to tell. What we can tell is Chelsea's form. They had a massive aggregate 6-2 win over Middlesbrough over the two legs, 6-1 in the game um, most recently on Tuesday night. They had beaten Fulham 1-0 in their previous Premier League game and they had a 4-0 win over Preston in the third round. They beat Luton 3-2 in the Premier League. They beat Palace 2-1 in the Premier League. Uh, And on the 24th of December, they had a reversal where they went to Wolves and lost 2-1. They are certainly a lot more solid than they were at the start of the season. The table does not necessarily reflect uh, them as a massive threat. They're on 31 points as opposed to our 48. However, they're not that far away from the zone where they could start sneaking into things if West Ham and Brighton and United have a little bit of a wobble or Tottenham fall away a bit. I'm sure that would be Chelsea's aim. Um, But it looks as if European football of a second-tier nature is possibly going to be the height of it for them unless they put on a a proper charge. And we will want to stop them doing that. Just again, for the sake of it, in case people are interested in knowing what they look like in that most recent win, the 1-0 win over Fulham. They went with Petrovic, Gusto and Colwell on the flanks, Tisasi and Silva 
in the middle, Caicedo and Fernandez as their more uh, uh, deep lying midfielders, Palmer, Gallagher, Sterling ahead of them, and Broja up front. And on their bench, we know Chelsea are very strong. They have Madueke who came on, uh, Chukimeka came on, Chilwell came on, Gilchrist. They also have Badiashile on there, Mikhailo Mudrik. Um, who's also on there as well, and several others. It is a strong squad. Do you feel that um, they are starting to get it right, Jan? Do you feel they're going to pose a big threat to us on Wednesday night under the lights? Not necessarily. I still think there's two Chelsea teams. There's a Chelsea team at Stamford Bridge, and there's a Chelsea team at Charlotte away. I was at Old Trafford a couple of months ago when they got beat 2-1. They got beat 2-0 at Everton. You mentioned they got beat 2-1 at Wolves. Uh, so I still think that on their travels, they're extremely uh, uh, fragile. I still think there's, they haven't got that tightness, that togetherness. They've got some really good players. Of course, they've got some good players with the money uh, that they've sent and showed you should, but they haven't got a good team uh, as of yet. So, but it's still, it's still Chelsea, isn't it? There's a modern-day rivalry between Liverpool and Chelsea, uh, so there'll be a, an edge to the game, uh, and, and they'll be up for it. That's for sure. You know, they want to lay it down a marker. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But I still think, even without, I mean, you mentioned what would he do against Norris? No doubt he's going to go quite strong against Norris because he doesn't want to ruin the work that we did by beating Arsenal away from home. Uh, but the interesting bit is obviously Robertson. You know, what's the situation with Shoppers Lion? What's the situation with Trent and whatever else is? But I think we'll be we'll be quite strong. But it's a beast of a little week, isn't it? Chelsea at home and Arsenal away. Uh, it's uh, you know I, I guess already now in his mind he would have picked the starting eleven for Chelsea and the starting eleven for Arsenal, and that's so nobody gets injured and he can stick to that, isn't it? But he'll have a very clear plan on how he wants to attack those two very difficult games. <laughs> 100% he will and that's a very interesting thing if there are people coming back into the fold the most obvious one that just to touch on briefly because it will be something that's occupying um space in people's mind we saw the very heartening side of Andy Robertson um, on the bench and out and about doing his warm-ups I thought it was quite notable that he didn't come on even for a few minutes I think that might suggest something that he wasn't ready to come on Um, you you would have thought that it'd been a little sort of um, you know just a, a, an opportunity for a little bit of recognition from 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 our fans there, or just even the practical thing of getting a couple of minutes into his legs. It would seem that he's a little bit far off. So I don't think he's going to be ready for Chelsea, given that there's only the FA Cup game between now and then. If and when he does start to become ready, do you think it's a no-brainer? Because an awful lot of people would. And I've, <laughs> I have the suspicion that Jurgen might as well, that he might just go, well, it's it's Robbo. I mean, this, Robbo's got to come back in. I, I, this is the question I'm asking you really in a roundabout way. Does he have to come back in, given the fact that his form has not been what it used to be? Oh, oh, oh. That's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, like you said before, it's Robbo. You know, at his best, one of the best left fullbacks in the world. Does he come back in? Uh, I almost feel like this is the bit that might have been better in our day because in our day Joe Gomes would have stayed in you know we're, we're playing well the individual in question is playing well we're winning games uh, so they wouldn't have changed that uh, but, but I agree with you which one though because there isn't I mean the obviously one is the Norwich one isn't it where there's an easy sort of but Chelsea and Arsenal, you, you, you don't want to go to war there with with somebody's not fully fit. So I think Joe might get those two games in it. But I do think that Robin will end with maybe giving a Norris game and then other games will be coming up and then we're in Europe as well, aren't we? So it might not happen as quick as he would have done. But let's not forget, it's always been a while. Is it, are we talking three months? We're probably talking out of the game for almost three months, isn't it? So it will probably take a little time. There are a lot of people who are surmising that that 
you know, enforced rest might be no harm um, for a lad at that stage of his career who's played basically every minute that God was sending to play. Uh, he was a starter for club and country almost all the time for season in, season out, playing, you know, racking up 50 plus games. So uh, probably around 60 games on average per season. So, you know, uh, it, 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 there are people making that argument as there are making that argument about Mo Salah that, you know, hopefully that, you know, can be more of a an opportunity to, to, to recuperate other muscles as well and you know it's a positive it's a very positive way of looking at it I guess the pessimistic way of looking at it Jan I'm just going to ask you this with your ex-player hat on when you see Mo getting an injury like that having uh, been so indestructible for so long uh, and that particular injury as well do, does it does it raise a little alarm in the back of your head that like oh shit or do you think that you, you, you've enough faith in you know the way the the, the modern t- techniques in terms of of, of healing techniques the, that that it shouldn't be something that you know will necessarily be an ongoing issue. So we, we had a season in the late eighties where Alan Hansen were basically out injured all season, and Gary Ablett stood in as a centre half, and Gary Ablett, the late Gary Ablett, he played so well he got himself involved with England, but still. Before every game, I would have rather had Alan Hansen. And I think that answers your question, doesn't it, in that we're playing well without Mo. But I still feel, immediately before every game we play, I'd rather have Mo than anyone else we could, we could put up. Uh, in terms of, we'll get him fit. You know, will, Mo has never, ever had these type of muscle injuries before. I think before we can blink, he'll be back in action. Uh, obviously, the, I think also depending on how aggressive Liverpool might be, will have to do with how Egypt do. You know, because if Egypt are progressing, we'll have to have the back of our mind that maybe we're monitoring him for Egypt before he's ours again, isn't it? So what would probably help us, it wouldn't help Mo or Egypt, but if they were knocked out, then we could go, well, OK, he's now ours and this is our programme. But in the meantime, we have to be very aware of what is Egypt's programme and when do they have potential gains, isn't it? Uh, but, see, if you wouldn't have asked the question, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have mentioned, I would have gone, I'm not really bothered because we're playing well. But, but when you dig into individuals and go, well, who would you rather have? Would I rather have Alan Hansen than Gary Abbott? I would rather have Alan Hansen. Would I rather have Mo than any other front four? Yeah, I guess I would. And it's just a matter of, as you say, hoping that it's uh, not the start of some sort of an ongoing niggle and that he is going to go back to being made out of steel girders, which he has been for his time so far. Like you say, Jan, the games are coming thick and fast. We will have Norwich and... Chelsea to talk about at the very least before we speak next and that will depend on your availability hopefully um, after the Chelsea game and before the Arsenal game because there's a small enough window there Um, but it's interesting isn't it Chelsea and Arsenal back to back it feels like a real kind of crunch time but before we finish up people will want to know how you feel Norwich and Chelsea are going to go in terms of results yeah, I think Norwich is probably a little bit similar to Chelsea. There's a Norwich City at home, but there's a Norwich City away. Uh, I think they'll be fragile. Of course, it'll be the the biggest game of their season. But I think almost regardless of who we play, I think we'll beat them 3-0. Uh, and Chelsea, and I'm looking at Chelsea, and I'm looking at their lack of goals away from home, uh, and I'm thinking, who can actually cause us problems? Broya is, is probably going to play up front. You know, injured for a long time. Not sure he's back to his best. Sterling has never done well when he's. This is at Anfield. Palmer is having a good season, although a lot of goals have come from penalties. Uh, so, do you know what? We've done this before, Trevor, haven't we? It's straightforward. Two, two, three nil wins. Three nil against Norris. Three nil against Chelsea. Well, I look forward to the reality in which we're doing the next show, talking about exactly that. Hopefully that'll be the case. And Jan, uh, a whole lot crammed into the hour, uh, which I've kept you for the full of this week. And I appreciate your time. So as ever, thanks very much. No problems at all, Trevor. You're welcome. And uh, like you said, it's it's it's, it's gone into another gear now, hasn't the season? You know, you're not looking at every game and you go, you know, we've we got to win them all. I know we can't, but... 
you got to believe that we can win them all. We do have to believe it, and there's an awful, there's an increasingly large amount of people who do, uh, including the two of us, it would appear. So let's uh, hope that is the case. And like I say, myself and Jan will be back with you sooner rather than later, hopefully re- recounting and, and, and regaling you with tales of Liverpool victories and looking forward to further ones as this season develops. But from me, Trev Downey, from Jan Malby, this is Malby on the spot for Anfield Index Pro. We'll talk to you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.